Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter from Slam Diego. Uh, wow, another couple of great football games. What a treat this offseason has been um, for football fans. These games have been just almost legendary. And uh, we saw an epic two very classic comeback wins yesterday by the Bengals in Kansas City and by the Rams in their, on their home turf in L.A. Um, been talking a lot recently about the psychology of being the hunter versus being the hunted. And um, there's really something to that. I think that sometimes it's actually um, easier to become aggressive when you're behind and your back is against the wall than it is to try to hold on as, as the hunted, you know, to hold on to a lead, to hold on to, you know, have your grasp on winning a game. It's as we can see, it's so hard. Who would have ever thought that Patrick Mahomes and that chiefs offense, particularly when they scored three touchdowns to start the game would be, rendered basically useless after that um, following uh, that uh, ill-advised um, five, you know, a goal line stand, you know, goal line play that the, the Bengals stopped where uh, the chiefs took one more shot at the end zone. Well, they didn't even take a shot at the end zone. They threw a, a sideways pass to Tyreek Hill and he was tackled by Eli Apple. And that was that, um, no points, um, momentum for the Bengals going into the halftime. Um, only down 11 after all their troubles on defense in the first half and offense, they struggled. It just, just goes to show when you get old uncle Mo on your side, uncle momentum, what amazing things can happen. And, you know, coming from behind, as, as we've seen in these playoffs, is, uh, you know, it, it just forces teams to, you know, look at what Aaron Donald did in the second game with the Rams down 17 to 7 in the fourth quarter. He, he's not a guy who usually does this, but he summoned everyone over on the sidelines and, Gave him a talking that uh, whatever he said worked and it inspired his own game because down the stretch, he and Von Miller, and that Rams defense really came up huge as they have been doing uh, repeatedly in the playoffs, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, wow, what two great games. And, you know, it just goes to show, I mean, how does a Patrick Mahomes start out brilliantly and then end up struggling as much as he did. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford start out struggling, but boy, did he get his, his uh, game together when it counted most in the fourth quarter. And how about Cooper cup who is just having one of the, probably the most epic season for a wide receiver ever, ever. 
Seriously. I mean, this is just phenomenal. What does he have? 1,300 plus yard games to his credit now. And, you know, he's become the Larry Fitzgerald of playoff football um, plus. I mean, he's gone well beyond what Fitz was able to accomplish. And um, it's just stunning. Um, you know, for a guy who at the combat, combine ran a 4.62, um, and similar to Larry, actually. That was about Larry's time as well. Um, but, boy, does Stafford know how to get him the ball, and he knows how to hit Cup off of his cuts. And, you know, anytime you have a quarterback who, who's in sync with receivers like that um, and knows exactly when to throw the ball at the precise moment and where the receiver will be, I mean, he's not only been doing that with Cooper Cup, but with uh, OBJ, who is, uh, you know, a man resurrect resurrected out of being in sort of career hole. Um, and boy, is OBJ's talent apparent to everyone looking on. And what a godsend that was for the Rams um, to pick him up. They even still had Robert Woods at that time. And a couple of days later, Woods went down and, Man, you know, but from the Cardinals' standpoint, <clears throat> I'd like to look at a couple things that the Chiefs have done in the past and what the Rams did this year to get themselves in a position to be where they are. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the Chiefs. Um, a few years back in, in uh, Mahomes' first run at the playoffs, um, he was able to take that team to the championship game and they lost 37 to 31 in overtime to the Patriots in a, in a really close, closely contested battle. But, and here's, here's something that I think Cardinal fans need to need to heed and, and look at closely is that, you know, um, the defensive coordinator under Andy Reed, when he was, when Reed was hired in 2013 was his good friend, Bob Sutton and Sutton did some really good things early on, but as the years were going by and with Mahomes coming into his um, second year, uh, the defense for the chiefs, as we saw back then was really struggling and uh, particularly in, in big games um, at times when, you know, they were surrendering some leads and putting a lot of pressure on Mahomes, et cetera. And Andy Reid made the tough decision to, after that 37-31 loss to the Patriots, to make a change at defensive coordinator when he brought in Steve Spagnuolo. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that was really tough on Andy Reid because he's so fond of Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton's a great character and a great man. And had these really cool, quirky presentations that the players all loved, and they, they loved him as a man. But you know, sometimes you have to recognize, you know, do we have the system in place and the coaching in place to take us to the next level? And I think that you know that the bold move that Andy Reid made to bring in Steve Spagnuolo, who had a Super Bowl ring um, as a defensive coordinator under his belt already and give sort of a fresh perspective on defense and know how to start playing, um, getting more out of the talent that they already had, and then adding to that talent and being able to, you know, um, 
cohere that defense. Uh, you know, the very next year was the year that the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And, you know, this is something that I've been writing about. Um, you know, I, I look at Vance Joseph and I, I see a similar situation is that, um, you know, there's lots to like about the guy, and particularly personally. I mean, he, he's got gravitas. I think he's probably better suited to be a head coach. I think he's a he's a leader of men. Um, no question. He's an articulate, passionate um, guy that when you, he talks, you, you sit up and listen. But there are flaws in his schemes and in his use of personnel that are just too glaring at this point. And the fact that, you know, he's been so unsuccessful and, and, and so out of answers against the Rams in particular, um, signals that uh, there's, there's a need for change. If the Cardinals are going to get to the, that next level and be able to beat the Rams, um, and get through them in the division, plus, you know, the 49ers and Seahawks, um, who Vance, to his credit, has had better success against the 49ers um, and Seahawks. I mean, he, I think the Cardinals are 3-3 three and three against both of those teams since uh, Cliff and Vance arrived. So uh, that's not bad at all, but they're 1-6 against the Rams, and most those six losses were pretty lopsided, and the defense in those games were – it was just a um, – Tough, you know, um, uh, tough like we saw in the playoffs. I mean, certainly the Cardinals' offense contributed to that because they were, um, you know, out of sync. And then, of course, but the defense uh, gave up too many big plays, chunk guard plays like they did against the Seahawks in, in Week 18 when they could have won the NFC West. Um, it's just frustrating, especially in a watch that some would argue, yeah, but. You know, um, did he have the best personnel to work with? You know, you make do with the personnel, and that's the problem with Vance Joseph is that, you know, you got two just stud athletes in Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins that you don't know what to do with. And, you know, and, and you're, you're not making a commitment to them, which defies what, you know, your defensive, your GM is trying to give you this the athletes to make your system work and if you can't coach those athletes and you know he makes the argument like you know i that they don't want to you know risk those young players making mistakes i mean what does that say about your ability to coach and develop a player i mean you have to be confident to say okay i'm going to help this player get through the mistakes i mean look at the chiefs this year they uh, traded down out of the first round with Baltimore and came up with two gems in the second round with Nick Bolton, the middle linebacker, and with Creed Humphrey. They're now mainstay at center. I mean, imagine if the Cardinals had drafted those two guys instead. I mean, you know, wow. Um, but the fear is even if they drafted Bolton, he wouldn't have played. I mean, Bolton, the Chiefs made the commitment to not only to draft Bolton, but to play him. I mean, they're that high on him. Bolton had 699 snaps this year and a 71.7 PFF grade. 
compared to Zayvon Collins, 228. That's 471 more snaps that Nick Bolton got as the 58th pick in the draft, whereas Collins was the 16th pick in the draft. And when Collins played, his grades are good. He's got a 66.5, highest grade of any uh, inside linebacker on the Cardinals. It just makes no sense that an athlete of that stature, and don't give me the shoulder injury, that he was banged up for a week or whatever. It wasn't that. It was, you know, now he's got an ego injury because his coaches won't even play him. And that's the risk you run, too, is, you know, look at Isaiah Simmons. He's kind of a mess emotionally right now. I mean, he's not getting the kind of, you know, carving the kind of niche in this defense the way everyone would expect it. But you can go back to his rookie year when, you know, he hardly saw the field. Um you know, it's just it's just so frustrating. I mean, if you can't coach up the guys that and take them through their lumps and get them in a position, I mean, you're giving snaps to guys that aren't going to help you down the road. I mean, these are the guys to build on. You got to insert and play them and get them through. And and by midseason, chances are they're going to be shining um, because of their athletic ability. But you know. Um, it, that that aspect of Vance Joseph not being able to coach the guys he's been given is very troubling. And, you know, um, it also didn't help that at the trading deadline, Steve Kime must have felt like we're good on defense. I don't know how he could have arrived at that conclusion. I mean, the Green Bay game should have been, you know, um, should have created alarm bells. Uh, you know, couldn't stop the run. The absence of J.J. Watt was epic. And you knew eventually it was really going to get to this team. They needed someone more physical up front. They didn't get it. Um, they also, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you can hope and think and believe you're going to get a full season out of Robert Alford. And to Alford's credit, he played the best football he's played in years um, up until that point. But we're also, you know, trading away Tay Gowan. We're letting uh, Green Bay poach away Rasul Douglas. I mean, you got a rookie on the other side who, in Marco Wilson, who was aggressive and almost there on so many plays. But, you know, and it's great because this will help him for next year to come in with all that experience. And he can take that next step. That's wonderful. But we also had, you know, the depth at cornerback was not impressive. And for two years in a row, we really needed help back there. And at the trading deadline, nothing. And, you know, you look on the flip side, look at what the Rams did all year. This is how you get a team to the Super Bowl, okay? First of all, in training camp, they lose Cam Akers, right? I mean, what a blow. I mean, he, he's their stud running back, right? So what do they do? They go and make a trade for Sony Michelle. Great move. I mean, they're not just going to just okay. We'll we'll you know try to count on uh, you know the guys that we have. They made a move. They made a move. I mean, look in the offseason, the move they bold move they made to get Matthew Stafford because they recognized. I didn't think Jared Goff could run the offense the way that they they envisioned, and. Uh, Boy, did that prove out to be the case. I mean, Stafford had a fantastic season and 
and uh, no one's been able to hit Cooper Cup the way he has. And, uh, you know, what a great move that was to set the tone. And and then at the, tr- at the trading l- deadline, they land two plums. I mean, unbelievable. And Von Miller, who gave him that extra edge rusher that made that pass rush ferocious, the way it, you know, took care of the Cardinals in two games, the way it took care of the 49ers in, this, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and the way it took care of Tom Brady and the Bucks when it mattered. I mean, that, that was huge. And also, I mean, adding um, Odell Beckham Jr. to a team that already had Cooper Cup and um, Robert Woods and Tyler Higby and Von Jefferson. I mean, and they basically got OBJ for nothing compared to what his real value is. And they got the, you know, yeah, they had to give up the draft picks for Von Miller, but they didn't even have to pay him because the Broncos agreed to pay the majority of his remaining salary. I mean, they worked out creative deals. And, you know, and then, I mean, who led the team, their team in tackling yesterday? Think about this. Who led their team in tackling yesterday? Do you know, Kyle? Who led the Rams in tackling yesterday? Yeah. I know the answer, but only because someone told me, and I laughed so hard when I heard what the answer was. It's such a great name. It Lay would it be on one. Us. It would be one Eric Weddle. Is that correct? correct? <laughs> Who yeah. Raheem Morris, the defense coordinator, kept in touch with all season long in case you know. See, this is what teams do: is they have backup plans. They have, you know, they're creative. I mean, who would have thought Eric Weddle hasn't played in two years? And yesterday he comes in and leads the team in tackling in the NFC Championship game in a neat area where their safeties had gone out. I mean, you know, these well, are... Well, hang on. Also, combine that with the fact that George Kittle finished the game with two catches, 27 yards, and the touchdown. Unbelievable. A defense right. that, ha- that people said had no help in the middle of the field, which is, of course where George Kittle lives all the time. Unbelievable. Right. That's a huge stat when you think about it. There were some misfires to Kittle yesterday. And yeah, I mean, I mean, this is how they say this. This is how you do it. I mean, this is how you do it. And um, that's why I'm wondering, too. I mean, do we have a GM who's really capable of closing the deal? Um, you know, I didn't like... Adrian Wilson dangling out there. You know, I think Wilson is a, you know, Wilson's always, if you look at Adrian Wilson, if you understand his bio and his, his life's mission and his persona, he's a guy that's always, you know, talk about BA calling him the VP of stuff. I mean, the reason is he's not only a ubiquitous presence wherever he is, but he's, he operates with a sense of urgency and that's what the Rams did all, all off season. There was an urgency there. They're playing at home in the Super Bowl. They knew this was their window. They knew, and they, they went about it in such a thorough and aggressive manner and they did what it took and they were creative and persistent. And whenever there was a need, you know, with the Weddle thing, we need a safety. Well, let's call Eric. Let's get Eric Weddle on speed dial. You ready now? 
Now, apparently Morris had been telling him for a few weeks, you know, keep getting in shape because we, we may give you the call. I mean, that's just an awesome story. And, you know, wow. I mean, fantastic. So, you know, um, there's so those are the two things that stick out to me is that, you know, sometimes it, you want to keep your good friends on the coaching staff, but sometimes a change is, is really necessary. And then you need to see what your needs are um, and adapt to it during the course of a season and have a plan B and a plan C and plan D even. Um, and and also, it seemed like you were also adding, don't be afraid to give away some draft picks because yeah. one of the things that the Rams revealed is draft picks go down in value as soon as you use them. So if you have the right deal, you can maximize their value by trading for a proven player. Yeah, and the tremendous irony for Cardinal fans is Cardinals aren't even playing their draft picks. I mean, some of them, Rondell Moore played, but in a kind of pigeonholed role, which is frustrating to all of us. I mean, I'm going to get to that in a second. And then, you know, Marco Wilson played, but the number 16 pick played well against Derrick Henry and suddenly was escorted to the sidelines for a majority of games. It's just so frustrating. It'd be one thing if the players playing in front of him are excelling and you can't, you know, then, then you know, you, you make the case, but they weren't. Um, they were not. And, uh, you know, so made it even worse, more frustrating to see that, you know, Vance Joseph once said a few weeks ago, you know, well, where is he going to play? He's a substitute. Well, where is he going to play? How about an, either of the inside linebacker spots where you're not getting downhill tackles? How about that? And didn't get a number of them until you started Tanner Vallejo in the last game. I mean, it's just, it's just so frustrating and the decision-making and the, the waffling and the indecisions and um, these soft zones that just are, you know, Jared Goff's dream come true. Uh, it's just got to stop. And there's no, I, I seen enough of it to, to know that it looks to me like Vance Joseph is incorrigible. I mean, he's not going to change. That's his defense. He's going to keep calling it. And, uh, you know, you saw Stafford yesterday. Every time that the, that the uh, 49ers shifted into his own, ba-boom, he was exploiting it left and right. I mean, you just – with quarterbacks like that, you can't give them too, too big a window to throw into. And with the Cardinal zones, that was given every quarterback windows big times, and they were giving up chunk, chunk yards and – they're just very, very frustrating. And with two of their greatest athletes who could who could do much better in those zones standing on the sidelines. It's just it's just inexcusable to me. But uh, you know, is this the coordinator who can get us all the way? I mean, he's good at some things, but is he good enough across the board and can we trust him with the talent we give him? You know, and Vance, since he's gotten here, has haven't gotten trouble getting good play out of the veterans that Steve Kime has given him. I mean, some of those guys, one guy even said he was at the Cardinals stealing their money um, and played like it. I mean, and a potential Hall of Famer saying that. So, you know, it, this is 
this is something the Cardinals have to look very carefully at. And there's some really good, fascinating um, defensive coordinators out there, starting with Vic Fangio. Mike Zimmer, um, you know, is out there. Uh, he's one of the best. Um, and if he can just focus on defense, um, he wouldn't – in Minnesota, he had to be the head coach. But if he could just focus on defense, wow, what th that could do. And I think the sleeper – of them all is Jimmy Lake, the, uh, you know, who has NFL experience, but he was the mastermind of those Washington Husky defenses, those cover three Husky defenses where they press, press up and play cover three. Oh my God. Um, I think he's made to order. And I think, you know, I don't, I think because Vance is good with safeties, Buddha and Jalen might be little, little, um, Disappointed to see him replaced, but if they said, "Well, we're bringing in Jimmy Lake," oh my God, I think uh, they, you know, jump up and with joy at, at that prospect. So, um, you know, there's and there are, there's more talent out there, which I'll get to during the week at ROTV. There are other possibilities because um, there's some really good defensive guys because of all these coaching changes, etc. But um, but turning to the Cardinals' offense, I was thinking yesterday that, um, first of all, with Kyler, is and this is really important, and it's really going to be fun to watch him in the Pro Bowl. I don't usually watch the Pro Bowl because it's just kind of, you know, hack football. But this year I'll watch it because Kyler is going to be in it. And, um, you know, it's going to be exciting to see. I think that's, that's a good way for Kyler to, you know, kind of – get over, help him get over the disappointing end to this season, kind of get out there with the other all-stars and all the other pro bowlers and, you know, yuck it up with them and, and play in the game and sort of, you know, get the kinks out. Um, also, it's always a good time to kind of try to recruit with guys that, um, you know, might be a free agent this year or next year you know, get to know those guys, et cetera. But uh, this is obviously is a, a very important offseason for Kyler to take that next step. And I imagine as he's watching these playoff games, he is, you know, glued in on these quarterbacks who are really, you know, like Joe Burrow, who's getting it done, like Matthew Stafford, like Mahomes, who was getting it done until the second half yesterday. And, you know, and even Jimmy G, I mean, had great moments in the, these playoffs. Um, and, uh, you know, to watch that and look on and see um, is should be an inspiration for Kyler, thinking, well, when I get my next chance, you're going to see something different. But a point that I'd like to make is that, you know, let's remember that you know, I wrote about this, that the Cardinals – under Cliff Kingsbury and Kingsbury himself and Murray there. This is a buildings Roman. This is a coming of age story. And like William Butler Yeats, the great Irish poet said, you know, love is the crooked thing. No one is wise enough to know all that is in, in it. And that's the thing about life journeys. And that's the thing about coming of age stories. It's a crooked path. And, you know, it's, it's not something that, 
you know, there's plenty of twists and turns and there's bumps and there's setbacks and there's lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. I mean, literally and figuratively. Um, and you just have to adapt and learn and grow and keep putting the pedal to the metal and, you know, and be resilient. And you get knocked down, you get back up. And I think that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's paragon of resiliency. I mean, look at him. I mean, his old whole career, he's been getting knocked down, but he's been getting back up. I mean, he had a over 500, you know, five games over 500 season this year. I mean, he's never had that, never had that at uh, Texas Tech. I mean, he's in the NFL now where he belongs and, uh, you know, he's getting it done. But, you know, the disappointing ends of the seasons or something that he's going to attack and you know, he knows he's going in. Um, I said in, on the on one of my articles this week that you know going into this off season, he was really focused in on on improving the Cardinals' intermediate passing game that was so um, so much of a struggle down the stretch last year. And um, lo and behold, Kyler Murray ends up fourth in the NFL in intermediate passing efficiency this year. You know, you know. Cliff is very goal oriented and, you know, you, you give him a task, he's going to work his tail off. You know that I mean, nobody works harder than the guy. Nobody's more driven or motivated or married to football than Cliff Kingsbury. So, you know, he's going to be doing everything he can turn over every rock and trying everything, you know, thinking of everything. He'll be consulting with some of his, you know, his confidants and he's going to come after this thing big time. You just know that. Um, and he knows what's out there. I mean, he, he's cognizant of it. I mean, to change, you got to know what's wrong and he knows. So that's a really big thing. But with Kyler, you know, I think Kyler comes off at times acting like I sort of know what I'm doing, but whatever slice of humble pie he ate in, you know, down the stretch this year, probably, I mean, for the competitor that he is probably is, is could could actually be the best thing that ever happened to him as a quarterback because you know the Hubie Brown once said in the clinic that I saw that was so awesome at Nike um he said the great ones always listen um he said here I was uh, a rookie assistant NBA coach in charge of big men on the Milwaukee Bucks and my starting center is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, uh, you know, here I am, this skinny Jewish kid from the Bronx who's, you know, played, you know, to a certain level of basketball. But I always loved basketball and studied it my whole life. And I was an emerging coach. But he didn't know me from Adam. And I walk out on the court. and He could have laughed me off the court. Instead, he introduced himself to me. He shook my hand. He looked in my eye and said, let's get started. And he soaked up everything I ever, every drill, every um, suggestion. He was all ears. And that's what Kyler needs to be this offseason. Um, he needs to listen not only to his own instincts, but listen to uh, the people that matter the most in helping him get to that next step and whatever that is. I mean, if you ask, I mean, I'm... Uh, I live in, in New England, uh, you know, five minutes from Gillette Stadium, and I'm surrounded all the time by Patriots fans and by Patriot pundits, and 
I know quite a few of them. And everyone I've ever talked to said the most amazing thing about Tom Brady is that in meetings, he was always taking copious notes while other players just sitting there listening and absorbing. He's taking notes. And um, it's, most of his teammates would say, you think a guy who's been around that long would kind of have it, who's had so much figured out, wouldn't be sitting there taking more notes than anyone else. But this is what greatness does, is the great ones always listen. And they evolve with the game. They evolve with their sport. They evolve with their own um, effort and approach and study, you know, um, you know, um, forms of studying the game. And this is an area, I mean, Kyler had that unfortunate quote that I don't, I could kill myself studying film. Well, it wouldn't kill you to study more film, Kyler, obviously. Um, not only just from reading defenses, but knowing in your own division, which cornerbacks can be vulnerable in which spots, you know, you need to know the personnel you need to study those films to know as the wide receivers do. You need to be in sync with your wide receivers. Um, that's a huge part. I mean, here's the thing, too, is that um, I'm really fond of Matthew Stafford, and I'm really happy for him. I've been praying a long time for his wife, Kelly, um, who, you know, they've been through so much. I mean, she had really a huge cancer scare, and hopefully she's fine now, but you know, Matthew Stafford is the epitome of how success is when um, preparation meets opportunity. Because, uh, and I've known this about him for quite some time with some of the contacts that I have, and it was further confirmed in an interview I did with Kyle Sloter, the former uh, QB3 the Cardinals had, who was poached off the practice squad by the Lions when their quarterbacks went down. Stafford was out that year. Their backups started uh, getting hurt. And, um, you know, let me jump in on that story for a second because you guys might find this really interesting. I mean, Kyle Sloter said that he was very conflicted because he loved playing for Cliff and he loved the Cardinals and he saw the opportunity you know, uh, that perhaps he could be the QB two in the following year and he's under contract for another year. So, you know, it was a, he wanted to stay, but he went to Cliff and he said, Cliff, what do you think I should do? I mean, you know, if I go to the Lions, chances are I'm going to end up playing because they, they need help at quarterback. I'm going to be end up getting some actual um, NFL, maybe even a start or two. And um, Cliff said, you know, so Kyle said to, to Cliff, what would you do if you were me? You were a quarterback. Cliff said, well, we don't want to lose you, but I think you should take it. I mean, the chance to get on the field. I mean, here you're third behind Kyler and, and Hunley. So, you know, I, I don't want to lose you, really. I'd love it if you would stay, but. You know, if I'm going to be honest, if it was me, I'd, I'd take it. So, um, and I thought that was so revealing of, of Cliff Kingsbury, the person, the coach. I mean, that how unselfish that was and how truthful that was. And Kyle ended up going. Uh, I don't think he played much, but because the, their QB3 there ended up finishing the last few games. But 
And Kyle, I think, kind of regrets it to this day. He wish he kind of had stayed because it didn't work out in Detroit the way he was hoping. But um, And he wasn't sure whether, you know, this had rubbed him the wrong way with Steve Kime for leaving. Um, um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, and the Cardinals didn't, um, you know, they didn't elect to pick up his his – you know, sign him to the 53 man. So, you know, um, when the lions came calling, uh, you know, he was poached and that was that. So, but anyway, Kyle Sloter was gushing about, I said, but he, he, the thing he said about what, what going to Detroit meant to him the most was watching Matthew Stafford prepare. He said it was the most impressive thing he has ever seen. He said, um, you know, Stafford was hurt, but he was in the room helping the quarterbacks prepare. And he said I, he had never seen any coach or player break down pass protection calls the way for each game with a catered set to the, to the new opponent of that week of like, here's what the call you make in this situation here we shift to a, a zone call and in this situation. He said, no quarterback I've ever seen had such a command of, of pass protections. And look at how that's played itself out during the course of the Rams season this year. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's, that Stafford is preparing himself. I mean, this isn't just Stafford showing up being a strong-armed quarterback. The other thing we see from Stafford is how in tune he is, how in sync he is with his receivers. I mean, with Cooper Cup, it's like night, you know, it's like automatic now. But look at how quickly um, Stafford got in tune with OBJ. Look at how, how in tune he was with Robert Woods. How about with, with Van Jefferson? How about with Tyler Higby, who unfortunately went down yesterday? But then the kid Blanton comes in. How about with Blanton? How in tune was he with Blanton, who played a career game yesterday, as their backup tight end? I mean, it's awesome. This is what Kyler needs to do. He needs to take copious notes this offseason. He needs to get his protections down and have them, you know, get with Rodney Hudson, do whatever it takes, um, study the films, scout ahead. We know who the opponents are for next year. Scout ahead get a feel for their defenses going in so you already know. Take some notes on that. Uh, get a feel for their personnel and how you can attack their secondaries, where they might be vulnerable and where they're strong. Um, and then the next really critical step for Kyler is to get in sync with these receivers because he's got talent and untapped talent that it's about time um, Kyler tapped into. For example, all right, well, you, you know we're going to have DeAndre Hopkins back, hopefully at full full strength. Um, hope, hopefully Hopkins is raring to get back um, and, you know, uh, make, a, make a run, like he said with J.J. Watt. Let's finish what we started. So that would be a huge plus having him back, obviously. Okay, and Kyler and Hop. D-Hop have a chemistry already and they can build on that. It's not airtight yet, obviously, so there's more to do there. But here's what 
you know, looking at these playoff games. If I were Kyler and I were Cliff, I'd tell Rondell Moore, Rondell, cue up the Tyreek Hill tapes. Just watch him every play. These are the routes you're going to run in our offense. And you're going to have a, you know, we're going to use you like the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. We don't expect you to be Tyreek Hill just yet, but we expect you to have a big time year because this is how we're going to use you. We're not going to just use you as a gimmick guy next year. We're going to use you down the field like we did against Minnesota when you cut the long ball, like you did on the sidelines in that that one great pass that we had. But your 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 role is going to be fully expanded next year, and we this is what what we expect from you out of the slot. You're playing our slot, and you're gonna you're gonna crush this thing on short, intermediate, and deep routes, and do it all. Do the same run the same route tree as Tyreek Hill. And let's just remember in the beginning, Tyreek Hill had trouble running routes. So we're going to you know, practice your technique, hone it down so that you can start nailing these routes. Um, and then when you, we get with Kyler, we're going to have start hitting you off your cuts and getting the timing down off of press and off of cushion. Then Andy Isabella. Cue up Cooper Cup. I mean, if you look at Isabella and Cup, they run the exact same way, only Isabella's 429 and Cup's 462. I mean, there's no more excuses for this kid not being being used. I mean, you don't you have a rare, rare speed merchant who's who's shifty and has rackability. He's got, you know, but the problem was, has been with his abilities is that Kyler has never gotten in sync with him well enough for him to have a sustained role on the team. That's got to change. And you could ask Isabella, you know, we're going to run you on roots at cup, cup runs. And those stutter step moves, Isabella already has those. But the problem has been is when Isabella's on the field, how often they underthrow or overthrow him. And they don't hit him off, off his cuts. And no one on the team gets quicker separation than Andy Isabella. No one. To date. All right. And Moore's probably going to be right next. But, you know, and I'm posting on my ROTB, um, you know, article that has the this red rain on it. I was just watching this video of, Andy Isabella and Kyler Murray running the running the forty together, and you know, you know Isabella's a, a four two nine. It is nose for nose. I mean, so you have a quarterback who's four two nine or four three zero, and so is Isabella. We got to use this speed. And people are saying, trade, get his ass out of here. Trade Isabella. What a bust. You know, this is the Cardinals' problem, is depth. I mean, you've got to have depth. Look at look at the offensive line. Get Mason Cole out of here. Trade his ass. Oh, yeah, how did that work out? We ended up losing two games because our center couldn't get the ball back. All right? Then uh, Lamont Galliard, six-round pick, uh, let him go. You know? No, don't let him go. You drafted him for a reason. You drafted four centers in the last five years, and none of them, none of them are even on the roster anymore. That's just flat out wrong. 
You got to change that. Can't just keep pissing away draft picks and pissing away uh, prospects because that's how you lose your valuable depth. I mean, the Brands didn't cut Blanton, did they? I mean, you know, Blanton was huge yesterday. And when they've turned to their depth, their depth, depth's done pretty dang well. I mean, Joe Notaboom, who I hope the Cardinals sign, stepped in for for uh, um, Whitworth <coughs> against the Bucks, And he stonewalled Barrett and JPP. Stonewalled them. I mean, that's what you do. You don't trade away your depth. Because when you have talent, you've got to develop it. You have to stick with it. You have to get, you know, put it on the line when it's needed. And, uh, you know, so, but you could give, you could give Andy a Cooper Cup-esque kind of root tree and roll and have him say, look, we're going to try to use you like Cooper Cup. I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, if you notice Cooper Cup, he's winning on all three levels, short, intermediate, and deep. And, you know, what he is, here's what he is. Okay, this is his genius. He's juke, 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 stutter, stutter, step, stutter, step. And then when he plants his his drive foot, he explodes off the route. Okay? There's explosion in those legs. I mean, he is one strong dude to have been able to take the pounding he has this year and get up and keep on ticking. Someone said he was a Timex watch. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But Andy's got that. Andy's got just, you know, Andy just zings off of cuts. And uh, Andy can beat anyone deep. So, you know, we've got to, you know, give him a role and get him fired up. And, you know, love the ones you're with to begin with. Then we also need to get Kyler his, you know, I mean, you know, I I don't regret taking Isaiah Simmons in the least or Zayvon Collins. If we get a defensive coach who knows how to use them, we're going to be so much better because of it. So I'm not going to look back and rue, rue any of that because I don't. I'm so excited to have those two great athletes who are potential superstars on our defense already. They just need to be used and, and used in the right spots. But, um, you know, in, in terms of, of, uh, of, of using your talent, it's so important that, that when you have it, you don't, you know, freeze these guys on the sideline. You give them roles that, and you, you know, you hone in on their, what they do best. And, you know, you, you ride with them through whatever bumps in the road they're going to gonna that's called coaching that's called developing and when they make mistakes you're gonna you know they're gonna learn from them. but the they're not gonna learn sitting on the sidelines and so you know um giving these guys designated roles heck i would i would tell zavin collins hey take a look at this kid nick bolton T- study what he's been doing this year um with the chiefs inside not only stepping up and, and stuff in the run, but did you see him in pass coverage yesterday? I mean, he was <clears throat> on those tight ends over the middle, like white on rice. Uh, 
and so was uh, Willie Gay Jr. That's another linebacker they, they drafted two years ago. They're playing him. They're starting both their young linebackers. And guess what? They weren't the problem yesterday. I mean, they, they did their jobs, and they look like the Chiefs are really set there for, for years to come. I know it would have been tempting, so tempting to just have Kyler, you know, in the Cardinals draft C.D. Lamb back when they had that chance. And, you know, I had to admire the Bengals for not getting too cute there um, with Jamar Chase. So many pundits had them taking an offensive lineman, which would, and there were some really good ones and it would have made sense or they had them taking a different player. Um, but boy, oh boy, I mean, Think of what the Bengals would be without Jamar Chase. Now, Jamar Chases don't grow on trees, but we've got to get um, a player who, you know, if you've told DeAndre Hopkins, you study DeAndre Hopkins because you know, you know, you're you're an all pro. If you tell Rondell Moore, you study Tyreek Hill. If you tell Andy Andy Isabella, you study um, Cooper Cup. If you then tell who you, you know, who you sign, you're going to be our Jamar Chase. Wow. I mean, what a combo. So who possibly could fill that kind of a role? Now, no one's going to be Jim, exactly Jamar Chase, but how you're going to use him is, you know, going to be Jamar Chase-esque. That's what you're telling this guy. We don't expect you to be Jamar Chase. We expect you to be you, but... This is the role you're going to play in our offense. So, number one, a huge plum. And, you know, Kyle, what do you think about Mike Williams? Oh, yes. I am a big fan of this move. I, I told you if you could throw $48 million at Mike Williams, that would kind of solve all your problems. And this is the interesting part for the Cardinals is because you have – the quarterback that's going to elevate the players around him, at least to a certain degree, um, you can get away with having a Rondale Moore and an Andy Isabella there. But I think if they really did commit to the wide receiver position, I would love to see Mike Williams playing for the Arizona Cardinals because that offense would be high-flying, deep balls all over the place with Kyler Murray. That that would be really fun if they could replicate that because DeAndre Hopkins – skill set is quite similar to Keenan Allen. He's just larger, fewer drops. Him as a true number one with Williams as a number two would be a a great idea for the Arizona Cardinals. And Williams is a free agent this offseason. Yeah, that's that's exactly. And well, he might get F tagged. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I'd be surprised if he did, though, because that would mean they'd be paying him 19 to 21 million dollars. Correct. They don't I'm have not it. Sure. right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's there's one possibility, perhaps. You know, Mike Williams. I've got another less expensive one that could be another interesting case. I know you threw out DJ Chark, which I found correct interesting. Um, I would throw out Allen Robinson as well, right? Because Allen Robinson is yep no longer on the franchise coming off a rough year. That could be a, uh, right. you know, a, another flyer deal one year, 7 million or yep. something like that to bring him in. Yep. And Marquez uh, Valdez Scantling is another intriguing big receiver with speed four three speed. 
Um, I think he's a four three eight. Uh, you know, there are some guys who, I mean, preferably with some size and speed. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had his best year years in Houston with Will Fuller, the speed merchant, opposite him. If you put speed opposite um, Hopkins, that's the best scenario for him. So we need a guy with speed, and we need a guy with some length, I, I think. It's, uh, you know, see what Kyler did with A.J. Green. There were a number of really fine plays. I mean, they never, again, with Kyler and Green, they never completely, you know, even their communication down the stretch was really flawed and um, never really completely synced up. Um, and that was unfortunate. Um, and cause it, it might've been a lot better. It was kind of surprising to me because uh, uh, green as a route runner wasn't really as savvy as I, as I would have expected for a potential hall of famer, um, particularly on out routes where he got undercutted so often and didn't use his body and, particularly on post-ups where he should have used his body. It just was kind of funny. But he was really silky getting down the sidelines and making plays. And, and he was not bad either on quick slants over the middle or, or you know, um, the times that he caught the ball over the middle. So, But it just never got synced up all the way around. And, of course, we'll always – the the play we'll probably regret more than any other this season was the Green Bay gaff, um, which, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to get into that. But um, but there you have some four possibilities in free agency. I mean, I like them also at, at Jakeem Grant as a return specialist. I think he was, uh, yeah, I mean, NF, NFC um, all-returner in the recent uh, – um, first team all NFC polls. Um, not only is he electric returner and he played at Texas Tech, I'd like to inject his speed into the into the room as well. And then, um, but we got to get that, you know, the Jamar Chase role down. And if you look at this draft, rather than, you know, I can throw a bunch of names at you. I'm just going to give you one to just do yourself. I I'll tell you what. I will post it on my article at ROTB as well. Is the if when you watch the tape of um, Traylon Burks of, of Arkansas, how they use him like a Debo Samuel, how they used him there out of the backfield, running swing passes, um, running the ball at times, uh, his diverse root tree, his length, his speed. Um, I can just imagine Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, just being wowed by the tape of this guy. I mean, for for a system fit, and I can imagine Kyler Murray feeling the same. For a system fit, boy, um, Traylon Burks looks the part to me. And uh, there's a chance that with this deep wide receiver pool, and there's a number of wide receivers with talent. I mean, Chris Olav from – Ohio State could be the Will Fuller opposite. Um, you know, he doesn't have quite the length of, you know, someone maybe, you know, Traylon Burks, but it's close enough. And boy, he's got the speed and slipperiness. Uh, you know, he could be a huge addition 
Kyler, who's the kid from USC? Um, wide receiver who's so good coming into this draft. Um, is it Jackson? Um, I saw a tape on him recently, and boy, I was I was really impressed with him. Um, and I, I or London Drake London. Yes, Jackson Dart. I know is the quarterback there. Yeah, but I'm I'm trying to trying to figure out because I am. Uh, I, I'm a little behind on the draft analysis. Yeah, I think part, it's so. Drake London. Um, kid with size. You talk about size. Drake and, London, six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds, according to my buddy Blake Jude. He is a low first round grade, somewhere in the twenty to thirty of quarterback there you go. overall position range. But you are correct. Six foot five, two hundred and ten pound wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, so he's out there. Um, there's other really intriguing wide receivers in this draft. I mean, um, you can go up and down and look. I'll, I'll post a video, too, of, of Drake London to go with Trey, Traylon Burks um, and Chris Olav. I'll, I'll post all three of those. And that might get you, you know, that might get you fired up. Now, the question will be, you know, I think you can look at them if you don't draft the big wide receiver, the the one you want opposite Hopkins um, prior to the draft. So I think that would be the telling sign. I mean, if, if they do sign a Mike Williams, you're not drafting anyone in the first round, a wide receiver in the first round. If, if you – or a Allen Robinson or, a, you know, um, Valdez Scantling or Chark, who, uh, you know, the, the Chark attack – uh, could be really fun to watch in Arizona if you can get him unhinged or set him loose, free him. Um, so, but that's a that's going to be a huge factor. And then, of course, uh, I think the Cardinals will make a strong effort to re-sign Zach Ertz. I don't think he'll be that expensive. I think he'll he'll be reasonable with the Cardinals. So they'll, they'll come to an agreement. I think he loves it here, and he he was certainly. Now you look at Steve Kime there, he made it that was the one move he made, and that was real yeah, I don't know if the Cardinals win the two games after the bye or the two games against you know, on the road against Seattle and San Francisco that Colt McCoy started without Zach Hertz. I mean, can one guy make a huge difference? Oh my goodness, yes. It's been proven over and over. But again, to think that Steve Kime came out of the trading deadline with no additions to the defense is very troubling to me. And uh, that's why I, I'd prefer to kick, you know, promote Kime to executive, um, you know, personnel man, a front off office position. So you keep him on board. I, he still brings a lot of great stuff, but I want a guy with urgency at the GM spot and a guy who will pull, make the key moves, adjustment moves, as they come along. And not just one, but when you need two or three to make two or three, it gives your team the best chance to go all the way. And uh, I think Adrian Wilson, as, as a, you know, as we, in his sense of urgency, and he was a player who played with it, and he knows players, and he understands. I, I think he'd be great, and I don't want to lose him to another team. And the heck with a third-round draft pick or two. I, that doesn't. 
I don't like that whole rule anyway. And um, I place more value in the person than I do those draft picks. So, um, and especially since I'm hoping Adrian Wilson will be a lifer for the Cardinals um, <clears throat> moving forward. So that's part of the plan. And I think what's great about these playoff games is it gets you dreaming about your own team. And I'm sure when you guys were watching the games, you were doing some of the same and watching. You also probably were saying to yourself, boy, I like to see our defense play like that at times, like the Bengals in the second half. Boy, were they good. Um, you know, you never would have known it after the first three drives. See, that's a thing called in-game adjustments. I mean, when did we see a Cardinals defense play like that in the second half? Certainly not after, the, you know, the bye week. Not even close. In fact, the second halves of those games were really rocky. You know, and injuries had something to do with it, but that's where you need a GM who can help you out with that. But also, you know, we had the same guys there. You know, they're just really missing J.J. Watt and then Robert Alford later on. I mean, there was enough talent there to get this job done, but it was a misuse of talent, in my opinion, and a um, regrettable um, set of schemes at times. I mean, there were good dial-up blitzes and good man coverages, but just too many flaws in the schemes and in the personnel, um, the handling of the personnel to feel like, you know, have, have, can have confidence that this is the kind of defense, you know, defensive coordinator and staff that can match wits with, with Sean McVay, with, you know, Kyle Shanahan and with, you know, um, Walt Waldron, Shane Waldron of the Seahawks, who certainly he and Russell found ways to exploit that defense and embarrass them. So um, I'm hoping for the best on those so changes, adjustments that we can see from the Cardinals um, in a really concerted approach and a specific approach of getting the current players on the roster um you know, accustomed to their roles and what's expected of them for next year and give them some visuals and some players to kind of emulate. Uh, I think that would be a great plan. And, and with Kyler, like, like I said, the great ones always listen. And um, it's time for him, I think, to um, get with Cliff, get with J.J. Watt, get with the, the, the people that he wants to listen to the most. And... Um, get a whole plan written out for next year. And I mean literally written out. Um, you know, be like Tom Brady, write some copious notes and get it all down um, so you can study it um, and um, and keep reminding yourself of it and have, a, have a, um, a chronicle of it, have a file for it. So hope uh, you've been enjoying the playoffs. I certainly have. Um, and um, thank you for joining in again today. And if you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear your comments and questions. I've been interacting with a number of you on Twitter at WBJ Mitch and then at revengeofthebirds.com. 
you know, where this podcast will be posted. I'll post it on Twitter. Special thanks to Kyle Ledbetter, um, my right-hand man, and uh, the Little Rock, uh, Little Rock star in my mind. Um, and uh, to all of you. And, um, you know, I don't know, when you, f- when you saw the blue and yellow confetti showering down over those Rams yesterday, I hope you were reminded of the, the red and white confetti we saw when the Cardinals hosted their one house trophy. And that's what this is all about. That's the pursuit. Um, and keep dreaming it. Um, dream until your dreams come true. Like a local band here once wrote. All right. Love you guys. And uh, talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>